Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Jesus does things so differently than the rest of us. Jesus heals differently, and even just walking through a crowd, if, uh, if uh, an eager hand can reach out and just touch the, the hem of his robe, um, they were healed. Uh, Jesus feeds a little bit differently. Uh, rather than sending the crowds home late at night, Jesus can take uh, the small offering of uh, a boy's dinner of um, a couple loaves, a couple fish, and 5,000 people can end up getting fed. Uh, Jesus dies a little differently. Uh, even after a, a mock trial, torture, being nailed upon a cross at his own execution, Jesus, in his last breaths, choose to offer prayers of forgiveness for those who are actively trying to kill him. Jesus is resurrected fairly differently because, let's face it, none of us have ever been. Jesus does things just a little bit differently. And, and we might think that that's maybe just a part of just God being with us. God does godly things that are meant to inspire hope and inspiration and draw us up to some of the loftier things in life and, and to convince us with signs and wonders that God is up to something in our life. And so we expect Jesus to be a little bit different. But the fact is that Jesus' different moments didn't come in the large, divine, miraculous movements, but rather in just the small ways that Jesus saw life differently than everybody else around him and took opportunities to pour out grace and life and compassion in ways that other people might not have even imagined as possible in those moments and changed the ways that we think about relationships, the ways that we think about feeding and healing of death and resurrection. Jesus rethought even the smallest moments of life and even rethinking 
who he wanted to be around in this life. Jesus began by kind of rethinking the guest list of who we walk alongside in life. Now, we might think that Jesus had this, this tendency of really kind of wanting to stir things up from time to time. And he particularly liked to kind of stir things up and irritate um, the, those that were in power. Uh, particularly the religious authorities, the, the teachers and the lawyers at the time that would interpret the law of Moses and, and the way that it was applied to relationships or the way that it was applied to, uh, to, to healing or to the Sabbath or defeating, uh, to, make, to make them see that God was still up to the spaces that we felt were outside of the box. And so Jesus began to teach them in different stories and different parables in ways uh, that, that seemed so incredibly different to anything else that they would have heard at that time. So when we hear stories of Jesus saying that God is kind of like a shepherd who would leave a hundred other sheep to go find the one that was lost, we might feel that's probably pretty inspirational because a lot of us may have felt like that one sheep that needed to be sought out and found, right? But the fact of the matter is, is our 21st century ears, when we hear the word shepherd, we think kind of children that are cast in the Christmas play. Uh, we, we are very familiar with the image of the lamb, of the shepherd, very biblical images of what it means to lead and to protect. We're very comfortable with that image, but the fact of the matter is, is uh, the ears in that crowd and that community at the time, they would have thought images like shepherds were uh, pretty shocking to not only say shepherds should be on the guest list, but for Jesus to take a story and say, you know, God is a lot like a shepherd, God can be dirty. God can be working that third shift up late at night when everybody else is around. Everybody else thought shepherds were untrustworthy. Everybody else is sleeping while the shepherds are up sneaking around, seeing what everybody's stuff is like, going where they're not supposed to go. They're lazy. The sheep might be just taking care of themselves. To the fact that if one wandered off, that's probably just fine. At least I have enough value in my 99 to bring them back. And then God is like a shepherd? God is like a shepherd that would risk 99 other things to go chase after that one. That is 1% of the value of what he's holding. God would go chase after that. Then to take the point even further, Jesus said, you know, God's a lot like a woman. A woman that understands value unlike anybody else and her friends and her neighbors won't understand it. But man, she will get down into that dirt, into that dust. She will flip over the furniture. She will find that one coin that went missing. And she will rejoice so much in finding that one thing that was misplaced because it was lost and now it was found again. And these stories portray God differently than any of the ways that the community had at the time. But to really understand kind of what Jesus might be actually saying in this moment, it's really interesting to find out who Jesus is saying it to. At the very first part of the scripture that we read today, uh, it said that the scribes and the Pharisees were grumbling against Jesus. Uh, They were complaining They had a problem with how differently Jesus was doing things. Because, would y'all believe it? Jesus was eating with sinners. Jesus was eating with us. 
He was eating with tax collectors. He was eating with sinners. He was eating with the people that weren't regularly on the guest list. These people don't even just usually not find themselves around a table. They're not supposed to be around the table at all. And Jesus has taken those that were on the outside and he has surrounded himself at his table. And, and, and would y'all believe it? He has put them in places of honor. And he is sharing a meal with them. But this meal is a little bit different. It's not like other meals. Because we see the table at that time was a little bit different. This is not just a dinner table. This is not just a dinner party. The table at this point in this part of the community of the scribes and the Pharisees, what they're talking about is a social ceremony. The dinner party, the table is a social ceremony that sorts out people on where they're supposed to go. You, you have seats of honor. You have people moving and shifting, moving up and down, depending on where they're standing in the community, depending on uh, how righteous they are, how, how closely they've been following the law, how clean they are or how dirty they are. And this is a sorting table where, spoiler alert, you don't get to choose where you are at that table. I mean, you can try, but if you put yourself too high up on the table, then somebody is surely going to knock you back down and make sure that you don't get out of line of where you're supposed to be. And so it sorted people on where they were supposed to be, not only in the social circles, but in the community of power, of influence. The most important people were there, but also the people that wanted to be the most important people. Now, you could be the lowest person at this table, but let's face it, you still at least had a seat at the table. You were still at least better off than the people that were not even invited, the people that were outside. And so as we start off chapter 15 right here with the Pharisees and the scribes complaining about how Jesus is running his table, it helps us to look back to chapter 14 to realize that this isn't the first time that Jesus has been around a table. In chapter 14, the Pharisees and the scribes actually invite Jesus to be around their table and to come have dinner with them. And Jesus has a chance to kind of look around, to kind of take a sense. And, and I feel like, in a way, uh, these people in power, these, these influencers, they're looking to see if Jesus is going to be like one of them. Sure, he's got some rough edges. He's out in kind of the, the boondocks of Galilee and Nazareth. Uh, he's hanging out with fishermen. He's, he, he doesn't really know who he's supposed to hang out with at this point, but, man, this guy's educated. The crowds follow him. He can do some incredible things. This is somebody, maybe if we sand off the rough edges a little bit, maybe we can have him around our table. Now, that didn't work out too well. Uh, they didn't get too far into the meal before uh, Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath and just threw everything into chaos. And guys, I don't think he made the invitation list the second time. But that's okay, because Jesus didn't need to be on their list. In fact, Jesus started making a different list. A list that he started maybe looking around that first table and saying, where's everybody else? Where's the people that are hurt? 
Where's the people that are broken? Where's the people that are hungry, that need some food? Where are they in all of this? What happened at the tables of the Pharisees, the scribes, those in power and influence, was not just that there was a meal, but there were different meals. Those at the top of the table, they ate different food. They drank different wine than those who were at the bottom. So not only did they get to have the best food and the best wine, but they got to look down on everybody else that didn't. And everybody got to look up wishing that they did. And so when we hear Jesus start to talk about deliverance and salvation in terms of abundance and in terms of value, Jesus is seeing value so differently than anybody else around at this time. And he's trying to tell us what it means to rethink what the world says is important to what God sees as important. So he begins to share parables. Not, saying, not only just saying that God sees value differently, but that God is different than anything we have ever cast. That God doesn't care about righteousness, God cares about deliverance. God doesn't care about the 99 sheep that are already taken care of. God will do everything that God can to chase after that one that has strayed off, that may be in danger, that is lost and needs to be found again. Jesus is casting a new vision and a new teaching about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. What it means to be chased after a God who loves you so very dearly. And so God, so Jesus begins to eat differently. It begins to seek out a new guest list. Those that need hope. Those that need joy. Those that need some, some peace in their lives to recognize that before they used to be left outside the doors. They used to be locked out. But God has a feast that is better than anything this world can ever pretend to offer us. This world might try to seduce us with power and influence and things that might look like we're scooting up that table. But we might be losing our connection with the things that matter most in this life. What does real value look like? What does it look like for us to, to set our agendas and our attitudes aside to go look after those in life that need someone to walk alongside them? Jesus doesn't care that people are grumbling about him. It probably makes him hold more dinner parties. <laughs> he just wants to invite even more people at that point. But to know that not only in these parables are we like that sheep that is lost. Are we like that coin that falls between the couch cushions. But that we can be different like God. We can be different like Jesus. And as much as we like to see that Jesus was different in all of the high and the lofty ways that we want to aspire to in life, that we set goals that one day I want to be like Jesus. That should be one of our goals as a Christian. One day I want to be just like Jesus. And we start to think that that day is so far off in the future and it is so lofty that, that maybe we might never get there, but we're going to try. The reality is that Jesus says, maybe we just need to start off the first step by just rethinking the guest list. 
And just start off with those small everyday ways that we can rethink opportunities to instead of seeking something for our own agenda or our own appetites, to start seeking something with grace and with hope and with purpose and begin to see value differently. To see value not just in what somebody else can do for me, but what can I possibly do to help them? Not think of the 99 other things that we need to be getting done, but that one thing that can help change somebody's life in that moment. And just see how different the world can be when we try to be like Jesus. When we go outside those walls, when we rethink our guest list, we don't only start walking in the spaces and the circles and sharing meals around the tables that Jesus did, but we start living differently. And we start living like Jesus, helping to change the world in the small everyday ways that can help change people's lives. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me today? Almighty and gracious God, you help us to see things differently. You help us to see value where other people see liability. Lord, you help us to see relationships where other people see burdens. Lord, you help us to see that there is moments in this life where we used to be that lost sheep and that last coin, and by God, you came to find us, and what would it mean for us to not go looking for others? Lord, forgive us for many of the opportunities that we have walked right past. Forgive us of the many of the opportunities to where we have tried to scoot up that table of the world. God, we have looked for opportunities uh, to serve ourselves, and Lord, we forgot about serving you. Lord, lead us in a way that helps us to see this world and this life differently. That allows us to rethink those that we want to walk through life alongside, but what we want to leave with them and helping to leave our 99 problems to chase after the one opportunity to help change somebody's life as faithfully and as generously as you have changed ours. Lord, we do all these things and we seek after you in Jesus' name. Amen.